Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. Do you believe God? Not simply believe in Him, but believe Him. Do you believe God is who He says He is and will do what He says He will do? Do you believe it enough that it pierces through darkness, through difficult times, through even unforgiveness? Do you believe Him enough in the waiting? This is Dr. Haley with Christian Curious, where we aim to explore what it means to do ministry in a postmodern, post-Christian context. This month, we've explored how to celebrate the Christmas season through the practice of Advent. We've spoken of hope, peace, and joy. Today is the beginning of the fourth and final week of Advent, the last Sunday before Christmas, when we center our thoughts upon faith. Here to help us think about faith and how to deepen our faith is pastor and professor Dr. Scott Wainick. Dr. Scott Wainick joined the faculty of Denver Seminary in 1994. He serves as professor of applied theology, teaching in the areas of homiletics, church history, and pastoral ministry. He earned a Ph.D. from the University of Colorado at Boulder, an MDiv from Denver Seminary, and a B.S. from the University of Colorado at Denver. Dr. Wainig was on the pastoral staff of Bear Valley Church in Colorado for 16 years, the pastoral staff of Centennial Community Church also in Colorado for eight years, and served as a senior teaching pastor pastor of Aspen Grove Community Church in Colorado for five years. He's contributed to the Dictionary of Christianity in America, the Leadership Handbook for Ministry, Leadership Journal, 16th Century Journal, the Journal of Anglican and Episcopal History, Preaching Journal, Preaching Today, and is the author of Straightening the Altars, a study of English Reformation. Welcome, Dr. Weinig. Thanks, Haley. Great to be here with you. My, my privilege. Oh, it's awesome to have you here. Um, as I was thinking about our conversation today, um, I was thinking, wow, some of my questions seem so rudimentary about faith. First um, Corinthians tells us that faith is one of the theological virtues alongside hope and charity. Medieval uh, Catholic philosopher Thomas Aquinas explained that these virtues are called theological virtues because they have God for their object, both insofar as by themselves we are, they are properly directed to him and because they are infused into our souls by God alone. And also, finally, because we come to know of them only by divine revelation in the scriptures. That's a, a lot to think about and a lot to unpack. And so I'm curious, how would you describe or define faith? Well, that's a great question, and I just uh, at a personal level, and as a, also as a church historian, I really appreciate the fact that you would reference the great Thomas, uh, who <laughs> was just, uh, you know, he's considered one of the great theologians of the church, probably along with uh, Augustine and Calvin and Luther. Uh, and so, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I'm this little evangelical pastor and professor, and, you know, it would be pretty hard to, you know, add to anything significant beyond what... Uh, uh, the good doctor had already said, but I, I would say faith is at least, at least two things. 
Uh, faith, first of all, biblically, theologically speaking, is belief. And what I mean by that is it's belief in God, belief in Christ. It's belief in what the Lord has said he, he is doing, he's going to do, you know, through the Scripture. So belief in that sense is, uh, it's, it, it's the idea, it, it's almost uh, intellectual or mental assent to a series of truths. God is real, and he's revealed himself, and he's doing something in us and through us and in human history, which he'll eventually mm -hmm. culminate, you know, with the second coming of Christ. So on one hand, uh, faith is belief in, in, in a set of, of doctrines. Uh, the creeds, for example, would be an example of we trust that these things are, are true. But faith is also very, very, very personal. And in that sense, I think we could say faith is like trust. It's a personal dimension where we have a relationship with a person. In this case, it's faith in God. And I mean, that's what Paul seems to be talking about there in that First Corinthians passage that you quoted. And obviously, Aquinas was referencing that. You know, God is the one who infuses that in us. But in that sense, it's trust. I mean, we do this every day, don't we, in terms of our relationships. Uh, right. You know, you're married and I'm married and, and you trust your husband and I trust my wife. Um, you know, we have friendships, we trust them. In other words, there, there's the idea that you have my best interest at heart or that we have this relationship and it is moving forward and we can interact because we trust each other. So to summarize, I'd say, yes, faith is number one. It's, it's a mental assent to a series of truths, in this case, you know, the scripture and Christianity, but it's also this personal dimension of, I have trust in who Jesus is who he says he is, and the fact that he's working in and through my life in a very personal way. So I'd say it's both of those together. Um, as you were uh, talking, I was thinking in my head, faith equals belief equals trust. And I, I love how that how you drilled that down into from the mental ascent of belief into the practical everyday working out of that faith into the, the act of trust. Um, a lot of people have written about believing in God versus believing God is who he says he is. And I, you know, I've seen that in, at times in my personal life when it's, you know, when I've gone through seasons of difficulty where I may have mentally said, yes, I believe that there is a God, but I had trouble in the heart of believing God is who he says he was because I want the season that I was in was so very difficult so do you, do you think that there's a difference for believers to believe in God versus believing God is who he says he is? Yeah, I'll just piggyback off of what you just shared from your own experience there, and I think you're absolutely right. There is a difference between believing in God, okay, God is real, he exists, he's out there, versus trusting that he's at work with me and in me and through me to accomplish as Paul would say, his good purposes in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. There's a difference between that. The challenge for those of us who are Christians is this. <clears throat> when we're faced, and I think it's, I, 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 th th these aren't the only situations, but I think these, these two come immediately to mind. When we're faced with temptation or we're faced with trial. Temptation or trial. Yeah, that's when the trust piece 
can get a little bit slippery for us on an individual level. Yeah, mentally, we can assent, you know, whether I'm faced with a temptation or I'm in a difficult time. Yeah, God is there. He's real. He said what he's going to do in the scripture. Jesus, you know, died for my sins and rose from the dead. Yeah, I can give mental assent to that. But when I'm faced with a temptation, do I want to do what I want that I know is in violation Mm -hmm. of what God wants? Or, as you said, if we're in a dark, hard place in life, and sometimes the holidays are dark, hard places for lots of us because of family issues or personal issues or bad memories, then that's where we can slip or slide or drift away from, hey, I'm trusting that God loves me, that he'll never leave me or forsake me, that he's with me, that he's working in this challenging situation. At that point, that's where trust or faith is trust can get a little bit slippery for us. And I think we just need to admit that and recognize that. I mean, think about it for a second just from a biblical perspective. You know, it's it's the Last Supper. It's the night before Jesus is going to go to the cross, and he's with the disciples. And, you know, I mean, he's loving on them, as, as John says mm-hmm. in John 13, to the end. It's, he's going to go to the cross for them. And and he's showing them how much he loves them by washing their feet. And, you know, they all, they all plead that they won't desert him yeah. or forsake him. And Peter goes way out on a limb. And Peter gets a bad rep because he had a tendency to talk a lot. He's a person. <laughs> he is. A, he's a person of great faith, though. And if you mm-hmm. look in the New Testament, you see that. But on that occasion, I mean, they genuinely, they genuinely think, well, Jesus, we love you. You know, you're the Messiah. You're the Lord. We won't desert you or forsake you. But then, you know what? Less than 12, 15 hours later, they've all fled, and Peter's denied. Then he knows Jesus three times. You know, and that had to be heartbreaking all the way around. That just makes the point biblically that you could be somebody who's literally Jesus' right-hand guy. Yeah. And when push comes to shove, you could say, well, in my head, yeah, I, I think Jesus is Lord, but on the other hand, ouch, you know, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm going to run away. Listen, if that could happen to somebody as great as Peter, and I want to stress that he was great, who am I to think that things like that can't happen to me? Absolutely. I'm either faced with a, 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 a difficult situation or a temptation, you know, to, to run with the flesh or something I want to do. Yeah. I mean, Jesus calls Peter the rock. Yes. He calls him the rock. Yes. And yet, you know, he denied him three times. Yeah. And so there is that element. I like the alliteration of the temptation, trial, and trust. Temptations and trials can impact our level of faith that we have, that God is who he says he is. And also maybe even for some people that I've spoken with over the years, the, the fact that they believe in God at all. A lot of people have refused to believe in God, a God at all, because of the problem of evil or trials or suffering. So if we have temptations and we have trials, you know, it affects our trust. What are some of the other things that might affect our faith? What what else might hinder us from having in demonstrating more faith? Well, I think that's a great question. So let me move uh, from culture at large, where we live in a very, very interesting time in a pluralistic society that has a large element of what we call secularization. And secularization just simply means that faith is, is it's pushed to the margins. It's not that it doesn't allow it, right. but it pushes it to the margins. So let me move from culture at large to church world. I mean, I live in seminary world. I live in church world because I'm a pastor. And you do, too, to some degree in both mm-hmm. of those worlds as well because of your role. In church world, this is what I notice. I see this in myself, but I see it in people that I work with and that I've worked with over the years in both contexts. 
when we begin to drift in terms of our consistent Christian disciplines and practices, a lot of times that's not like real intentional, hey, I'm just going to quit going to church for the next six months, or hey, I'm not going to read my Bible, or hey, I'm going to you know, not participate in prayer, or hey, I'm never going to journal. It's not like anybody sits down and says, hey, intentionally, I'm just going to you know, diss this for a while. But given the busyness of our culture, the demands on all of us, you know, whether we're working or parenting or both, or, you know, if you're a single parent, you've really got a heavy load to carry, you know, you're wrestling with all these different things in life. And it's easy to begin to set aside regular church attendance, reading my Bible, spending time with the Lord in prayer, maybe journaling what, you know, your friends and mine call spiritual disciplines. When we begin to drift away from those things, that undermines, first of all, that undermines that trust element, the personal element, because we don't mean to, but the, the reality is, is we're kind of drifting in our relationship with the Lord. Yes. But I would also argue that that begins to undermine faith in the belief sense. C.S. Lewis made a great, great, great point years and years ago in Mere Christianity. He said, People are not argued out of Christianity. They have a tendency to drift away from it. And I think, generally speaking, he's right. I mean, Andy Stanley's done this big deal on what he calls deconversion stories, and he says he's kind of obsessed or, or fascinated with people who were once, quote, you know, Bible-believing Christians, but then now that they would reject the faith. I'd really be curious to see what Andy's discovered, but once again, my, my observation would be most people don't get argued out of the faith, even though, you know, there are some challenging arguments about Christianity, like you mentioned, the problem of evil. But I think most people drift away. Things just happen, and they just begin to drift away. And so when it comes to nurturing faith, and I don't know if you wanted to go there, but one of the things I need to do, and I want to encourage, you know, people in my family and at church and at seminary to do, is go to church, pray, read your Bible, practice the spiritual disciplines engage God on a consistent basis. I mean, I think that that will nurture trust, nurture faith in the belief sense, help us to grow, but I also think it functions as a protection against drifting away too much. Yeah, I think that the temptation of stopping the spiritual disciplines is the busyness, Yeah, and then the um, lack of emotional response that we may feel sometimes, because yes. so we sit down and with our scripture, we pray and maybe we don't have the emotional response and so we think oh my gosh I need to do something else with my time or it just slowly we edge God out of the room yeah that's ed- that's a good way to put it yeah edge life. God out yeah uh-huh just over time because we and then when we edge God out without with not practicing the disciplines we end up trusting ourselves rather than God that's right and it's easy to do that I think it was Augustine who argued that by nature, because of our fallenness, we're allergic to God by nature, and therefore we need God's great. yeah we need God's spirit to infuse us with a new heart, a heart that's receptive to Him, a heart that's regenerated by His Spirit. But we need His Spirit to infuse us. I would argue every day to draw us closer to Him because our natural tendency on our own. I think this is just true across the board is to drift from God and and go our own way. And if that was ever true of a group of people in human history, it's really probably true of Americans. 
And I say that as a, as a proud American. I mean, I love my country. I love our culture. It's got its tangles. It's had its problems, no question. But because we're so individualistic, we're so affluent, we're so mobile, and as we've already talked, <laughs> we're so incredibly busy. It's we're easy, very busy. It's easy to drift. Yeah, and we're very independent-minded. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, coming from Texas, oh, I'm very... It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Texans are kind of, the, in many ways, the quintessential Americans in many, many ways. I mean, they were their own country and then got folded in and they they've built out this huge state. And, you know, I mean, and it's booming, you know, so. Yep. So and they produce some great people. (laughs) Thanks for that. (laughs) Appreciate that. Yeah, I'm very proud of my Texas heritage. But that independence and that stoicism that is characteristic of Texans and Americans in general can absolutely cause us to feel like, okay. We can sacrifice this a little bit. You know, we can sacrifice our spiritual disciplines or, you know, especially if we don't get the the immediate emotional and yes. spiritual gratification that comes from sitting down and reading scripture. Yes. You know, as you know, as you do, as I you know, I remember when I first came back to Christianity, I mean, the faith was so fresh. The word was so new. I felt experience changes so much that I was in the Word all the time. And the Bi- my Bible from that period is all written up uh-huh. everywhere, highlighted. Yes. And, um, but as, it, as you go further in the faith, it's, it's easier once you're in the midst. Maybe you're in ministry or maybe you're surrounded by Christians or maybe you're disconnected from a secular society where people don't believe in God. Right. That you start to like, okay, I'll let this... D- slide. I'm doing ministry all day long. Maybe I don't need to be my scriptures first thing in the morning. Right. And um, so it's really easy to uh, to slip into a place where you just don't practice those disciplines. Yeah. And I would add, you know, another distraction for us all, and I'll plead guilty here to some degree. Uh, I'm pretty good about getting up in the morning, reading my Bible and praying. That's just kind of who I am. And I'm kind of a morning person. But one of the distractions we all face throughout the day is just the impact of technology on us, particularly media slash social media. I mean, everybody has their cell phone. Everybody has access to streaming. I mean, there's a zillion different media options now that you can choose from. It's pretty easy to dial into that quite literally and dial away or dial back our commitment to the Lord or our time with the Lord. And I would just say, you know, we just need to be aware of that. I mean, those things aren't evil in and of themselves. But we need to recognize they have a lot of influence. They have power in our lives. And so once again, I would say, let's make a concerted effort to develop both faith in the cognitive sense and faith in the trust growing. Hey, I, I, Lord, I believe you're really at work in my life by spending time with him on a regular, consistent basis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that there's, there are definite truths to that. As far as, you know, understanding that, you know, we're, what are we feeding our, yes, our souls? Right, you know? exactly. And, you know, I've thought about recently about my own habits of what, what am I reading? What am I consuming? And thinking, wow, if this was junk food for the, you know, this would be junk food for the soul. soul. Great, I, great analogy. Yes. <laughs> am I feeding myself whole foods? Am yes. I feeding myself healthy foods to produce a healthy soul? Great point. And, you know, what can we do to get back on that page? Yes. What do I, what changes do I need to make in my habits to make me have a more healthy outlook at some point? Right. Because it's so easy to drift. I mean, oh. there's so many different things to look at. 24-hour news media. Yes. 
um, the various things that may pop up on, you know, streaming like Netflix or uh, Hulu and the most popular shows of our time. And, and your Twitter feed, yes. Uh-huh. Twitter feed. I mean, there's just so many yeah. things to look at. Um, I remember this Far Side uh, ca- cartoon. Oh, yeah. Love, and, far, love the Far Side, yeah. And some guy was sitting, this was, you know, decades ago, and I saw it, and this guy was sitting in front of his PC, and it said, the end of the Internet. You have reached the end of the Internet. <laughs> you can never get to the end of the uh, Internet. And so you think, okay, I'll just, you know, consume, 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 and then you, before you realize it, you've crowded out all the time that you could possibly exactly. devote to yeah to relating to God. Yeah. Well, I would argue as a historian, I mean, I think you see this in the Bible, but as a historian, every generation of Christians in different times, different places, different cultures faces unique opportunities, but I would also say unique pressures or challenges to their faith. In our culture today, it's the pull of so many other, I would say, relatively good things that can cause us to drift. So, I, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse too much here, but I would say, you know, once again, just coming back to the idea, I think it's important to go to church every week. I realize a lot of people don't agree with me on that. That's okay. Uh, you know, we can agree to disagree. But I think going to worship every week. I, I missed church this last Sunday because I was sick, and I, I watched an Andy Stanley sermon on, at home, and it was great. I love Andy. He's the best. But it wasn't the same as going to church. I need to be around people. I need mm-hmm. to sing the songs. Uh, we, we had the Lord's Supper last Sunday. I didn't get to take that. So when my wife, Melanie, came home, I, you know, I asked her, I, you know, I had her, you know, give me the rundown on church. And I missed it. I missed it, literally, mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, spiritually. And so, I mean, I think church is important, reading our Bible, spending time in prayer, you know, um, doing ministry. I mean, the Lord oftentimes meets us when we're literally serving other people. So I, I think all of those things, once again, are just essential links to keep us grounded with the Lord. So you, you've mentioned several things um, to, to cultivate faith. Whenever we feel like our faith may be weak, whenever we feel like um, we're losing our trust in who God is, there are you know, definite things that we can do to, to start strengthening our faith again, even though um, the scriptures def- describe faith as as a gift there are certain things that we can do to to strengthen our mental ascent yes. and our emotional response and trust to trust in god you've mentioned um church attending church on a regular basis you've mentioned the spiritual disciplines what are some other and you've mentioned service which i also agree is totally important i mean yeah. getting getting focus off of self yes. and onto someone else, making a difference in the world, making a difference in someone's life yes. is tremendously valuable yes. in strengthening faith. What do you think are some other things that we can do? Well, that's a great question. So I'm going to throw a few things out here that we may, maybe we can process on. Um, one of the things about faith is trust that we might think about doing is is doing um well let, let, let me start at, at what i would consider kind of a basic level and that is if you find your faith is is a little bit weak or you, you you're having some doubts and stuff find some people that you consider pretty solid in their faith and hang out with them talk to them engage them ask them questions in other words say hey i'm i'm struggling here and that's okay because we all have our struggles hey i'm struggling with trust in god can, can you help me or talk to me Tell me how you go about doing that. In other words, find some people that you honestly believe are really solid spiritually and, and hang out with them for a while. That's, that's one thing. Here, here's something else I think 
that can help us develop deeper trust as we move ahead in life. Do something a little bit risky for God. It doesn't have to be huge, but where you're saying, you know, Lord, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to trust based on your word in the scripture that you're going to work in and through this in some way or another. So, for example, maybe you're kind of on the edge financially, and you feel like, okay, Lord, I'm not asking you to bless me with health and wealth. I just want to see you do something in my life spiritually. I'm going to give an extra gift this month and see what you might do. I mean, just I realize we all have different experiences. So my experience doesn't translate to yours or whatever, but this was years and years ago. Um, I was coming to the end of the month, and I didn't have much money, and I was being asked to give an extra gift for the holiday for this little kid in Africa that I had been supporting. And I thought, well, to be honest, I probably got some money in the bank that could cover me, but I was a little bit tight that month because I was in grad school and working part-time, and, yeah, I just didn't have a ton of money. But I thought, okay, I'll go ahead and give this extra gift, which I did. And I think that was an, an issue of trust. I was trusting, okay, Lord, you've provided for me. You can provide here. And it's not this, this huge deal. But <laughs> the great thing was I gave that gift. And about, oh, I don't know, four or five days later, I get, I get this letter in the mail with a check. And, and the check was from this investment I had inherited from my parents years before. And it hadn't paid on anything in years. And then all of a sudden, out, out of the blue, I get a check that more than covered the gift and even a little bit more. And I just thought, Lord... You're amazing. Yeah. You're amazing. That to me, that was a God thing. Yeah, me it came, and my, yeah. yeah. It came from out of nowhere. Me and my husband have experienced the same uh-huh. thing when yeah. we've chosen to give financially. Right. Yes. You know, out of out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the Lord will say, Hey, you know, I'm gonna reinforce your trust, your faith in me. Right. Yeah. So going to church, practicing the spiritual disciplines. Um, finding community, Amen. community that can Amen. be around you to worship, community yes. that can support you during difficult times, yes. and doing something risky, doing yeah. something that that um, we're stepping out in faith. Absolutely. It kind of reminds me of Indiana Jones, and I know this is a really old reference that dates me, when he throws a sand over the invisible bridge. Yes. And that's his act of stepping out over into that crevice. That's a great illustration. He has to trust that the bridge will appear. Right. It's a great illustration. Yeah. God yeah. bless you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Indiana Jones. Amen. I wanted to be Indiana Jones when I grew sure. up. Sure. Yeah, you probably could. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Wainig. We really appreciate hearing what you've had to say about faith and how we can practice it, especially during the Christmas season. Um, That's all for today's episode of Christian Curious. I hope and pray that your Christmas is blessed, enriched by the season of Advent, filled with hope, peace, joy, and faith. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can visit us online anytime at www christiancurious.org and I love hearing from listeners drop me a line at drhaley at christiancurious.org that's d-r-h-a-l-e-e at christiancurious.org stay curious thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley you can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email drhaley at christiancurious.org That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. 
Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.